and welcome to the Diz Dads Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster, and I'm here today with David Nicely, The Duck 619, Ron Renkel, Disney Commando, Chris Carroll, Diz Dad Doc, and Carl Nix 30, Carl Nixon. You may be asking, who are the Diz Dads? We're a group of fathers from around the world. We represent a range of ages, ethnicities, religious traditions, political beliefs, careers, and interests. But we all share three things. Love for our children, love for all things Disney and Walt Disney World, and participation in the Diz Dads Club threads at thedizboards.com. We're hoping to use this podcast to share all of those things with you. And tonight, our first topic is a topic that often gets discussed kind of around the fringes of uh, Diz Dads Club threads, and that is our, our strategies for touring in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, we've got a sort of special guest on our podcast today, uh, Disney Commando, the founder of the Commando Touring Thread. And so I, I think we'll go ahead and, and start with Ron and, and ask Ron to just give us a snapshot of, of what we mean when you talk about touring the Magic Kingdom Commando style. All right, well, it's not the new wave style going without your underwear, but uh, <laughs> I always get blasted on that one. Uh, basically... I'm there, I want to get everything I can possibly get done, done, and I'm not, I'm not skipping over anything, really, but I'm just, like, maximizing my time to get everything I can get in, in. Okay, and, and when you say getting everything you want to in, in, uh, as I understand it, the, the strategy is, is primarily focused on getting you uh, on as many attractions as you can in the time that you're in the park. Is that accurate? Right, that and meeting characters and even going to the shows. I, I do everything, go to the stores, whatever you could think of, I'm pretty much doing Okay. And uh, is there anybody who wants to, to speak for sort of the alternative approach, the more laid-back touring approach? We always kind of like to start off um, just absorbing in Main Street and kind of taking that all in and then moving our way. Uh, we by starting off toward the left as opposed to going counterclockwise to where most people start off to the right. We like to usually go to the left and find the... Uh, least crowded parts of the park okay so that's that's one one approach and uh i've heard it referenced by others before that one good way to uh attack the park in a way that allows you to you know not have to rush is to to take a clockwise um uh, kind of tour around the park because the theory is at least that the majority of people uh go to the right once they go through the gates or counterclockwise and so you you maximize your opportunities by going against that flow of the crowd um so let's let's kind of run through for each of us what our typical approach to a magic kingdom day is uh david why don't you share with us the way your family approaches uh a day at the magic kingdom uh, normally what we do is obviously get there early enough for rope drop or, or just right at the beginning. Um, that's always the goal. And then once we get through, get uh, one photo pass taken, um, uh, you know, a couple shots at the castle. Okay, and, and Carl, how about you? How does your family begin uh, a day of touring at the Magic Kingdom? Well, we normally uh, we start with a rope drop. We would never really get there. and We get there early so we can get the rope drop. Um I'm the type of guy that's a stop and smell the roses type 
And my wife, on the other hand, the kids are the type that they ride the roller coasters and all that. I don't, um, what I normally do is I, I hit Space Mountain, grab the fast passes, and they run to the uh, Big Thunder Mountain, and um, I meet them there after I'm done. So basically, you know, it allows me to just relax and take my time, and um, the kids get to run and ride the rides that they want to ride. How about you, Chris? What's your approach to starting a, a day of touring at the Magic Kingdom? Well, I think like most of these guys, I hit the rope drop as well. I think you're going to see that as a common thread among the Diz Dads is that hitting the rope drop is really key. And although some of us are more laid back than others, I think that, that we're all pretty, uh, we're, we all plan a, a, to a certain degree. I think Carl's point of dividing and conquering is a, is a very important one. When you have, when you're lucky enough to have two parents there and multiple children, you can send one parent off to get fast passes for some rides, while the other parent is taking them on a quick um, couple of rides down uh, Space Mountain or Thunder Mountain Railroad. Right, I would agree. I mean, that's my approach was that, you know, frequently, uh, well. Uh, one thing that makes it easy, I, I've got two younger kids. Uh, one is is just three, and or during our last trip was only three, and was uh, pretty ride shy. But one of the things that he would ride was Dumbo, and you know dealing with Dumbo and the slow moving line there, uh, we kind of took advantage of that to some extent because um, I basically am game for almost any ride, but if it was coming down to a choice. The ones I would choose to miss are spinny rides. So uh, I would let my wife take the kids for the spinny ride and get in that line for Dumbo right away while I went and made the the fast pass run so that we'd be ready for more attractions down the road. Um, And it was kind of a challenge for us to approach that, you know, touring in the Magic Kingdom with, you know, one child, a, a eight-year-old who really wants to ride just about everything and a three-year-old who was very reluctant to get on almost any ride. I agree. It's very difficult to um, coordinate when your children are very interested in different rides. Um, the uh, And I think that uh, you have to take your cues from your children and remember that it's their vacation too and that although it's great to get on all the attractions as many times as you can, if they're tired and they don't want to do that or they really want to ride Dumbo, you have to build enough flexibility in your schedule to get them there. Right, right. And and I think that you, you know, what you said initially that, you know, dividing and conquering can sometimes be the answer to keep everybody happy. And I, I know it worked well for us. Uh, you know, thank God for texting in our iPhones and we were able to <laughs> be at, at opposite ends of the park if we needed to be to make sure that everybody got to enjoy what they wanted to enjoy. And really, we still were able to enjoy the park overall as a family. Um, so, Ron, why don't you give us kind of a snapshot of... of where you go to attack the park. Uh, you know, you've said that, that your approach is to hit as many things as possible. How do you do that? What's, what's your roadmap? Well, when we first get there, we're also there for rope drop. But the first thing we like to do is Main Street. I wanna, we ride all the vehicles on Main Street. We find the mayor. We find Dewey Chi in the woman's club, the Dapper Dan's, get all that stuff done. So already in the first hour, you completed a lot more than what some people do all day, just by just on Main Street. Then as soon as the rope drop is done, we're over by Casey's. I make a quick left. I also go left through the park. And the first thing is either Frontierland or Adventureland. 
and you pretty much walk on the rides for the first hour. Right, right. And uh, anybody else? Uh, David, how about you? What's What do you go, you know, you said that, that when you initially come in, I believe you were one of the ones who said you, you make that kind of counterclockwise run to the left. Um, right. What's, what's your approach from there? We, we kind of divide the the park in half and as Main Street being the divider. So we're going to get everything in there to the left, Adventureland, Frontierland, going all the way back up for Fantasyland. And that's when we take our break for the day. Um, go back, rest for a little bit, and then we do the other half of the park. Okay, and, and how about you, Chris? We will do uh, the best advice for uh, Disney World I ever got was always go to the left. Um, whenever there's a line, if there's a line at security, there's a line around the park, you always go to the left. And you know how many times uh, you hear this and you see this posted on the boards? It still works. Uh, going to the left always works. So we go, um, we will go to the left and do the Adventureland rides and Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, at least my wife and two sons will, while my daughter and I will skip over to uh, Tomorrowland with the tickets so we can get Fast Pass uh, tickets to uh, Buzz Lightyear or to um, Space Mountain. And then we also kind of try to meet in the middle there uh, around lunchtime. Okay. And and how about you, Carl? Well, um, you know, we, we normally go left, but... Um I don't know. I'm the type of guy that they love the roller coasters, and I just I can't I can't ride them. I get um, I don't know how to explain it. That I'm not scared of them. I just I just I don't feel well after riding them. So sure. it, with this vacation, it's really great. Or my my vacations, it's really great just to sit on the bench and relax while they ride the rides. Um, you know, I do ride a lot of the. Um, I mean, I I ride the slower rides, but. Um, it, it, I, I normally just take my time, and um, I try not to get frustrated with the uh, with the crowd levels, especially in June or July. But um, left is good. Um, but most times, I I just try to you know tour around the park and go on the rides that I see. Sure. Well, I guess I'm the contrarian. Um, my approach is very much a, a touringplans.com informed approach. And um, my my general take is that I, I take a look at the park, and it doesn't matter which park, but with Magic Kingdom, I think it's especially true. And what I look for are the rides that are the slowest loading and the ones that therefore have the lines that move the slowest. And what that means to me is that if we're going to ride Dumbo, and with my kids it's a requirement, Dumbo's got to come first. Because otherwise, the longer you wait to ride it, the longer the line gets. Then the next stop for me every time is going to be Peter Pan. Because Peter Pan's flight has that awful queue, which hopefully is getting better. I hear they're getting a new interactive queue. But for right now, that queue can be miserable. Um, there's no air movement in there and it gets long. The switchbacks, for some reason, there seem to be twice as many switchbacks in that line as anywhere else. My approach is to really take advantage of that morning time to, you know, take advantage of the people who don't do what we do, who don't make sure they're there for rope drop. Um, you know, it's a, it's a man law for a reason because boy, getting there at rope drop means that while everybody else spends an hour and a half in that Dumbo line, I've already been there, done that, and moved on. And in the afternoon, you know, we'll spend our time, 
using fast passes on, or in the later in the day at least, we'll, we'll spend our time using fast passes at, at Big Thunder and Splash and uh, Space Mountain and Buzz Lightyear. Take advantage of the fact that those those rides are people eaters and we can get more rides. Haunted Mansion is great for that. It runs people through there so quickly because of the way it loads. Um, I really like to take advantage of those built-in tools to enhance our opportunities to get in as many rides on the things we want to ride as possible. Um, You know, like I said, one of the considerations for us is that my kids have very different desires in terms of what they want to do. And because I've got a younger child, uh, you know, our, our day touring really isn't going to run past you know, maybe two o'clock is, is about as far as we can push it at this point um, before, you know, we get unhappy kid syndrome from uh, spending too long out in the sun or, or uh, you know, fighting the crowds. Yeah, those well, are really good points, Aaron. Um, you know, I, I was going to interject, you know, my kids are teens, so it's a lot easier for me to tour Magic or any of the parks because of their teens. Um, I can pretty much just lay back and let them go you know tell us a little bit about that how do you manage teens in the magic kingdom when they really want to be independent and you want to let them be independent we basically discuss what we're going to do um this year my daughter's sweet 16 she's going to bring a friend with her you know if they want to go ride a ride here and there go hang out here or go get an ice cream i just let them go so it makes it a lot easier um but this year my daughter with her bringing a friend i think i'm going to let i'm going to be in the park but i'm going to let them kind of you know go where they want. What age did you start uh, letting them do that, Carl? Well, this year, or last year, my daughter was uh, 15, and, you know, I I gave her the option, but she really wasn't interested in, in taking off, because going as a family, we, we're a family unit, um, and our kids are homeschooled, so... Um, she really didn't want to run off or, you know, go anywhere. My my other daughter was tw- is 12, and my son is uh, thir- with 13 last year. So um, I think this, year's, this year is going to be the year that I'm going to let them go or let her go uh, with her friend. But, you know, I, I don't think I would do it any younger than that. Mm. My kids are 11 and 10. My two boys are 11 and 10. Now, the oldest is on the autistic spectrum, so that sends another variable in there. But... Uh, they're already itching to go out on their own, and we're telling them they're a little too young to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'd, I'd be ready to let them go at 11 and 10. No. Well, I, you know, I might just, you know, I, if you're, like, right there, you can kind of let them run off to a ride or something, you know, as long as you're oh, yeah. around the area, you know. That's 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 what we did. It kind of gives them the feeling that they're on their own, but really they're not. And um, <laughs> <laughs> also this year... This this year, uh, my wife and I have a reservation in, at Epcot that we're going to, you know, it's her and I, a sit-down meal, and we're kind of kind of let them run off in the park while we have our dinner. That sounds like a great plan. One of the things I do, Aaron, that's a little different is we don't spend the whole day in a park. Like, at dinner, I usually make dinner reservation for somewhere else, like either at a resort or a different park. And we go there. My, my son's only five, but he's been there six times now. And basically anything that, like Dumbo and stuff, that he considers that a kiddie ride already. He'll go on GM Test Track ten times if you let him in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he, one, of the, one of his favorite rides is actually Dinosaur. 
I mean, for a five-year-old kid, that usually scares him. Right. But that's his favorite thing going, you know. So he's already kind of, at a young age, he's already outgrown the smaller rides. So yeah. it's like fantasy land he doesn't even really want to go to anymore. Well, that was all really helpful. And uh, I think, you know, if anybody has comments, please send them along. We'd love to hear them. Maybe we'll talk about them in a future show. Um because this uh, issue of Magic Kingdom touring strategies is a big strategy, as you heard just from that, you know, brief conversation among, uh, you know, five guys here. We we all have our own little kind of quirks and tips and tricks, and we'd love to hear yours too. Uh, you can contact us at podcast at disdads.com. You can stop by our running conversations at the Disboards on the. Uh, on the in the family board, and you can find us on Twitter at Diz Dad's Podcast. Um, all right, well, so our next topic here, as long as we've got Ron, the Disney Commando, with us, we thought we'd do our our ten questions segment with Ron, who's not a regular here on the podcast. So, Ron, are you ready for your trip to the hot seat? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's really not so terrible. Um, all right, so first thing, where do you live and what do you do for a living? I live in Brick, New Jersey, and I'm a frozen food specialist. You know, I, I once spent two days doing an OSHA inspection in frozen food warehouse, and it was about the coldest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. In the summertime when I get out of work, I actually shiver in the car for the first five minutes to frosting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so describe your family for us. I have my wife, Rachel, and my son, Hunter. He's five years old, and we go to Disney every year, and we're also big on like other parks like Busch Gardens and Sesame Place and SeaWorld. And we, you know, we got passes for pretty much any place, so we're always out and about. Okay. All right, so what is your favorite kind of off-the-beaten-path location in Walt Disney World? Personally, I like Epcot and the World Showcase. I just like walking around the showcase. I love the different shops and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, of course, drinking around the world, you know, it's always fun. <laughs> unless, unless you go there on an extra magic hour, you know, you can ask the other Carl about that. And we didn't do too well. <laughs> Everything seemed to be closing up. Uh, now, is there any, any particular place in World Showcase your favorite? No, nah, I like everything. I like all the little shows that they put on, you know, the, like the acrobats or off-kilter, you know, anything going on. There's always something happening around there Okay, that's different. Well, we all know that we're all big fans of Walt Disney World, but of all the places in Walt Disney World, not everything's for everyone. So for you all personally, right. what's your least favorite place at Walt Disney World? Can it be a ride? or? <laughs> it, it can be. It can be anything. A ride, a the location. Primeval World. There you go. <laughs> I cannot stand that ride. And then the funny thing about it is, my son loves the mousetrap, which is basically what it is, but it spins. Yep. And I, I don't know. I'm always thinking we're going to fly off that track. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite animated Disney character? Uh, that would be Goofy. Pirate Goofy. <laughs> okay. And this is a little bit more general question. What sound or noise do you love? I guess it would be the first bang of a firework while I'm at one of the parks, knowing that, you know, the fireworks show is starting. And then the flip side, what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> the sounds of the buses leaving. 
<laughs> at the end of the night. <laughs> and uh, what career other than your own would you like to attempt? Probably working for Disney somewhere along the line. I don't know what, you know, maybe being some kind of a tour guide or something. What job would you not like to do? It's got to be worse than mine, then. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that all depends. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I probably wouldn't want to like, really have to do anything with heights. Okay. Afraid of heights. You know, unless it's moving continuously, like on a roller coaster. I can't do heights. Um, so you wouldn't see me washing the windows on a skyscraper or anything. Um, if you could be a Disney cast member for a year, and just for a year, right. what job would you want to do? It would either be some kind of a touring guide or line cutting enforcement. All right. I think we hit on somebody's pet peeve. Well, thank you, Ron, for your 10 questions. I, I am going to get around to starting to, to post some of these 10 questions uh, responses on the website. You may see a, a reference to your 10 questions in the you know next week or so. So we're going to move on to our next topic, and our next topic is the next in our uh, man law series. And we're going to talk about the, the rule, and I'm, I'm going to phrase it the way that we phrase it in the thread first, and that is that no dad will sit in a seat while a woman, child, disabled, or elderly person stands on a bus, unless there are too many people between you two to offer the seat. So if you're in the back and the person's in the front of the bus and there are 15 people between you, okay, we understand, or you yourself are holding a child. And I would summarize that simply as, as be a gentleman. Now what I want to throw open to the floor is why is it that we felt it necessary to make that a man law? Well, I think one of the things we need to keep in mind is that most of us, at least some of the dis dads, are, are there with our children and we're trying to set uh, you know, good examples the way that we're supposed to act and um, my pet peeves is when I see you know rude children when I see people especially young children cutting older people off or uh, young men teenage years not holding doors open for women so this is the perfect way for us to you know teach our kids by leading by example rather than just telling them about it I think that's a great point and you know I think another thing is that for some reason, people go on vacation and forget that their manners need to go with them on vacation. And I don't know what it is about being someplace that's supposed to be recreational, but I, I notice it a lot these days that people in a recreational setting, for some reason, think that manners get left out in the parking lot. And sometimes it just takes a reminder, and, and that's kind of what the man law to me is about, is reminding all of us that we're on vacation, but that doesn't mean we lose the sort of core humanity that, uh, you know, we should be carrying ourselves with on an everyday basis just because, you know, we're out on vacation and maybe we're feeling less pressure. Having teenagers, again, I keep bringing this up, um, I try to pass this man law to them as well. Um, and, and I've seen it over and over again. My kids will come up and go, look how rude they were. Um, I, I think the magic of, it, it adds to the magic of Disney just for people to be courteous and, um, you know, let the person get in front of you. Why are you in a hurry? Um, I see it all the time. People feel that, you know, they're on vacation and, and they're going to get theirs. Um, and it's, it, it's really kind of disturbing, you know, because if, if you don't extend the courtesy to them, you're not, you're not, you're just going to lose the courtesy. I mean, it's just going to go away. So, um, even my kids, my whole family is, is, um, 
courteous to everybody. We well, we try to be anyway. Um, but you get wrapped up in the in the vacation, and you get wrapped up in the stress, and you're tired, and you're hot, and uh, maybe that adds to the to the rudeness of some people. I think you I think you've hit on something important there too. That you know when people get tired and hot and uncomfortable, you know, the end of a long day of touring, you may have had the best time of your life, but when you hit that bus to head back to the resort, everybody is kind of feeling the same way, you know? Everybody's had a tiring day, and I think it all hits everybody at once, and sometimes that just brings out the worst in everyone. I think Carl raises another good point, is that uh, when we go to Disney, I... I kind of view it as my responsibility to spread the magic of Disney just as much as it is the cast member's responsibility. So if I see someone who needs to sit down and I'm sitting down, I stand up. If I see some trash on the ground, I don't think it's going to be a cast member's responsibility for picking that up. I pick it up. Um, I think that it it's not just the cast member's responsibility to spread that magic. It is It is our responsibility to spread it. That's a good point, too. I think we all make the experience better for all of us when we do those kinds of things. I think another thing, too, is nobody wants to wait a couple minutes for the next bus. Every, if the bus can hold 50 people, everybody wants to fit 80 in there. You know, <laughs> and, it, it's, you know and then, then you, you can't even get up to offer somebody a seat or anything, and people are rocking into you and everything. But basically, there's just too many people on the bus. You know what I'm saying? Yes. They should have. They should have actually made double decker buses or something, <laughs> which would have probably made a lot more sense because you could fit everybody, you know, up on the top level sit, sitting down, and on the bottom level you can have standing up, you know, the wheelchairs and everything in there, and nobody would have a problem. Well, the monorails as well. I mean, the monorails are are really crowded as well. Even just trying to get back to the resort, if you're staying at the Poly or you know the in, in the Contemporary, um, even the monorails are packed. And um, to be quite honest, I'll I'll just stand back and let everybody go. I, like I said, I'm on vacation. And to, to further expound on Chris's point, I mean that this is sort of the point when we get to those points where we're tired and. You can tell the difference between the bus in the morning and at night. <laughs> um, but that's kind of our job to take the lead then. You know, smiles are contagious. Um, you know, moms and dads have tired children, and, you know, just that act of courtesy can change someone's day. I think we've all probably experienced magic somewhere in the parks where someone did one little thing, nothing greatly out of the ordinary, but it changed your perception for the rest of the day. All right, I think that's true, and and I think that's a a great point to to wrap this discussion up on. And that, you know, the biggest really point of all of this is is two things. Number one, we all feel like the kind of courtesy that we're talking about here is something that we want all our kids to learn, and the best way for them to learn it is to learn it by example. And second of all, that what we're doing here is looking to create uh, situations where everybody's experience at at Walt Disney World is a better experience. And it makes someone else's experience better when, if we are able, we make life easier for them. And hopefully that's contagious. And the next time when we could use that little hand to help with uh, maybe a a rough day, then that courtesy might be extended to us. And we don't do it because it ought to be extended to us next time, but we do we do hope that it's contagious. Okay, well, I'd like to, to move to the next item on our agenda, and that's to do a, a trip preview. We've got 
one coming up soon here, and that is Chris, Diz Dad Doc, who has uh, an exciting trip coming up here in April. We're going to be braving that week just before Easter, where it seems like everyone has spring break and uh, all the touring plans, right? That is one of the, the busiest weeks, but we're going to brave it anyway. Um, our kids are getting a little older. It's getting harder to take them out of school for long periods of time. We're uh, DVC members, so we're going to stay at the uh, Bay Lake Towers this time. And uh, we stayed there once before, and it was fabulous. Um, I think I used up all my DVC points for the next two years, though, so I don't have to pay out of pocket <laughs> the next couple of times. Um, but if you do have an opportunity to stay at the Bay Lake Towers, it's, uh, it's nicer than certainly our house. It's also very convenient to walk to the Magic Kingdom and to um, uh, to be on the monorail line. Uh, it's just very convenient. This is our kids' sixth trip to Disney World. Um, we try to go every year as well. We we actually try to go every ten months or so, um, so a little less than a year. But uh, it's their sixth trip, so we're doing some old favorites and some new uh, favorites for the things we're doing. Um, we are. We're going to do a number of tours. My middle one, who was 10, we had done the diving in the tank at Epcot, uh, the Aquator, uh, just a couple of days after his 10th birthday a few years back. Excuse me, his 8th birthday a few years back. And his younger sister, who just turned 8, has been waiting for those last two years until she was old enough to do it. So she and I are going to do that. Um, that's a lot of fun if anyone uh, ever has the opportunity to do that. Uh, you don't need any previous scuba experience to use uh, what they call snuba so uh, it's a regulator but you can't really go under the water you just can put your essentially your face in the water breathing with a regulator uh, in the tank but you get to swim in the tank and the fish come up to you and the sea turtles come up to you and the, the rays come up to you the sharks stay at the bottom so you don't have to worry about them and uh, the dolphins stay in a completely separate area apparently the dolphins were in the big tank but they had to move them out because they were playing games uh, along the lines of, uh, of uh, Ray Frisbee and um, Sea Turtle Volleyball, uh, where see. they would really play with the other animals. <laughs> so what's, what's the, is that the one thing you're looking forward to the most on this trip, or is there something uh, else actually, particularly special? We're, we're going to also do the Wild Africa Trek, um, which is a new tour in the Animal Kingdom. Um, I'm very excited about that, and we'll see how that goes. Um, You've been, I've been hearing mixed reviews online for that. Initially, the reviews were very positive, and then um, they've gotten a little more mixed over time. Um, but I'm still very excited about, about going on that, especially um, a couple of my children uh, love Animal Kingdom in a way that I wouldn't have expected them to because they just love seeing the animals um, and interacting with them uh, at that, uh, up at the, uh, uh, at that, uh, where you take the train. I can't remember the name of that place where you take the train up to in Animal Kingdom. Oh, uh, uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch. Rafiki's Planet Watch, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll give you a report on that after after I get back. Terrific. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it. And uh, before I let you go, I have to ask, because it is a Diz Dad podcast, is there any dining experience you're looking forward to in particular? <laughs> uh, all of them, but uh, we made... Uh, we made a lot of dining reservations, or, and I've certainly adjusted them frequently. I've stopped adjusting them in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we are um, we are fortunate enough to have my father and his uh, and his wife join us at the end of the trip, um, which will be nice. Uh, so we've kind of adjusted the um, 
the end of our trip to accommodate uh, a little less activity. Um, so we're doing California Grill with them at the end, which will be a lovely experience. And I think of the, the, the things I'm looking forward to, um, other than, of course, lunch at Viennapoli, uh, that, uh, that California Grill at the end will be a, a, a nice experience. Well, we've got one more topic here that I wanted to touch on, and uh, we're running a little long, so I'm going to chop it down just a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite Magic Kingdom rides. We're going to do a kind of a roundtable rapid-fire bit here, and uh, we'll kind of go around our around the, the table here and talk about, instead of our five favorite, let's cut it down to our three favorite Magic Kingdom rides. This topic drew a lot of attention when I posted a Monday poll on this subject about a week ago and wanted to extend that discussion just a little bit. So, David, why don't you lead off with your number three Magic Kingdom ride? Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. And why is that your number three? Because it doesn't meet the qualifications for being on the top two. But uh, it's a newer <laughs> one. So, so I've ridden it the least amount compared to the other two. Ron, how about you? What's number three? Big Thunder Mountain. Love the ride. My son loves it, but it would just be number three because I got a couple better with the other two. <laughs> okay. And uh, Chris, what's your number three? I'm going to agree with Ron. My number three is Thunder Mountain Railroad, and uh, I especially like riding that ride at night. It's a completely different experience at night versus the day, I think. And what about you, Carl? Um, the Carousel of Progress, uh, because I, I feel like it's it's history. That's it's it's a really nice ride. Okay, well, my number three. It was a close call here. Um, Big Thunder and Buzz Lightyear both just missed the cut, but uh, number three for me is Space Mountain. I love the ride. I love it, the more active coasters that I rode with my daughter. She was a little nervous about it at first, but she loves it, and uh, I love riding it with her. It's it was my first experience with an indoor coaster. I love the atmosphere of it, um, and. I, I don't have the, the previous version to compare it to, but I, I did enjoy I wrote it shortly after the soundtrack was added, and uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I'll go ahead and give my number two. Um, my number two is, is Splash Mountain. I, I just I love the theming. The theming is so incredibly immersive. The animatronics are terrific. Um, and, you know, the ride is, is a lot of fun. Um, I don't mind getting wet on it. I just remember to put my phone in a plastic bag in my pocket, and uh, once I do that, I can just, you know, sit back, relax, and and enjoy the ride. Uh, how about you, Carl? What's number two? Well, number two is uh, Mickey's Philharmagic, I believe. It's it's a nice sit down and relax, and it's I like the like the graphics. It's gorgeous. Can't figure out how they get the screen big. Okay, and Chris, your number your number two. My number two is the Haunted Mansion. It's a little, it's a little old-fashioned. It's a little, there's, you know, it's a little cliched and kitschy. But I, I loved it as a kid, and I still love it as a, as a, as a grown-up. And I'm very excited to see the new Q, which has gotten some very positive reviews online. How about you, Ron? Uh, my second is Space Mountain. I remember doing it with my dad as a kid, and now I do it with my son. And it just doesn't get any better than that for, you know, as a roller coaster inside. It's not really hairy or anything like that, but with all the lighting and everything, it's just, it's just an awesome ride. And how about you, David? Number two. Number two would be Splash Mountain. Uh, similar to what you said, Aaron, um, the theming. I don't mind getting wet. And you get some really beautiful views of the park up at the top, and they're 
you're not moving at a really super fast pace, you can kind of take it all in. All right, and while we're here, how about you share your number one with us, too? Number one would be Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it was the very first road, ride that I ever rode, and that was in 1978 when my parents took me, so it holds a very special place in my heart. Okay, and Ron, how about you? My number one, I don't know if it could be really considered a ride, but any vehicle on Main Street. And the reason why I like that, whether it's the horse-drawn carriage or the double-decker bus, I kind of get the feel when you're going down Main Street of what Disney actually wanted you to see in the beginning of the park. It's just great, and there's usually not a lot of people on it because they don't even know. They, a lot of people don't even know that you can ride them. Right. Okay, and how about your number one, Chris? My number one is Buzz Lightyear. It's uh, my my. I love riding it with my daughter. She's the first one in our family to get nine 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 nine. And uh, I, you, I have a, a picture as my avatar online where my wife and I wrote it together and both got 999999. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun ride, and uh, I like it better than Toy Story Mania. Interesting. How about you, Carl? Uh, Space Mountain. is the, it, It's because I, it's the only roller coaster that I can ride that I don't, I don't feel uh, bad. It's a really awesome ride. It's nice and dark, and you never know what's going to happen next. Right. Well, my number one, I have to agree, I believe it was David who said Pirates of the Caribbean, um, and, and I agree, Pirates is number one for me, mostly because it's a ride that the whole family enjoys. Um, we can all ride it together, even my ride-averse son loves it. It's, again, similar to Splash, it's got that terrific theming, the, the animatronics, the the wonderful detail that, you know, there's always something new to notice, and so always something different to catch your attention. Um, an- another one with a, a good soundtrack and uh, I just really really think that that's number one not just for me but for the whole family and I think that's why I enjoy it the most uh, it's hard to pick but that's what I would have to go with um, alright well that, those nobody are- mentioned it's a Nobody mentioned it's a small world. No, nobody mentioned it. And actually, you know, it, it didn't come up in the 10 questions as the least favorite place in Walt Disney World. I thought we were going to go a whole episode without a mention of small world. But uh, apparently not. <laughs> um, to be fair, I can't really discuss small world because, you know, our trip back in October, uh, small world was, was under refurbishment. So uh, I haven't even ridden it yet. You are a lucky man. <laughs> My daughter in the last room. In the last room, there's a room where everyone is is all the children are in white. So my daughter says the first time she wrote it, she was probably three. She said, "Oh, this is heaven with all the dead children." <laughs> yeah, we all got that big laugh out of that too. Oh man, out of the mouths of babes. I don't think that's what Walt intended. No, I, I'm not. Sh- I'm sure it's not. And and Mary Blair's, you know, already. I, I, I bet. Disappointed now, even. (laughs) Okay, well, that wraps us up for tonight. Uh, I want to thank our entire panel here. uh, David Nicely, The Duck 619, Ron Renkel, Disney Commando, Chris Carroll, Diz Dad Doc, and Carl Nix 30, Carl Nixon. Uh, Guys, it's been great to have you uh, for the podcast. 
And if you listening would care to uh, share your ideas with us or have a topic you think we should discuss, please let us know. Uh, you can find us online at thedisboards.com in our discussion in the families forum. You can also find us at, find us in our own little clubhouse on the web at disdads.com. That's disdads, D-A-D-S, dot com. Or on Twitter at disdadspodcast. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week. If you find us on iTunes, a review would be terrific. It helps with our placement and make it easier for others to find us on iTunes. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Hope you all come back next time. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.